Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 336 of the Big Show with some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Oh, and so it begins. The brand new NHL season is here. Oh boy. How are you guys doing? This uh, episode's kind of been a while coming here. But funny, I, uh, I actually uh, <laughs> I started recording Saturday night. And I, I had about 30 minutes in, and uh, it was like, well, this episode sucks. And, uh, well, ba- okay, well, basically what happened is I got into it with a couple idiots online in these fight groups. Once again, oh, these knowledgeable fight fans. And uh, <laughs> and then after I was done yelling at them, um, I decided to hit record and start recording the episode. Well, the first 20 minutes of that episode was basically me yelling at these two dipshits. And then I realized, if you hadn't read our interaction, which probably 99% of the listeners wouldn't have, you wouldn't know what I was talking about. So, well, this is sort of a pointless exercise, so I just kind of shut it off and went upstairs. Um, You know, and then we had Thanksgiving and stuff, and... uh, yeah, I just uh, haven't really uh, been in the mood. Well, I've not really been in the mood. It's just I haven't really had time. It's uh, Things have come up and whatever. But here we are, you know. So I figure, you know, I'll talk about, uh, well, my week on the internet. I got a few gems. And, um, oh, we had the fight tonight. Oh, Wi-Fi and Revo. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, uh, what a, an an instant classic and, uh, you know, but my friend Yuka over there in Finland has sent me a list. It is the, what is it? Yuka now, uh, oh, the NHL, the 50, uh, now what, 50 biggest thugs in hockey history, 50. So we're going to, I haven't looked at the list as you know, I always like to say, I, I, I discover them with you guys. Well, so my reaction is honest and uh genuine so um we'll get it's 50 so we'll we'll, you know we're gonna have to get into that pretty quick because or else we'll be here all night but uh um i don't know my ranting and raving for my week on the internet i mean it seemed to be extra stupid um well man it's been since what last last wednesday since i did an episode so i've had not just four days like usual it's been a, a full seven to um, read the dipshittery. Well, the first one, uh, you know, just to just to throw out there I, that I laughed at was, uh, of course, uh, in the preseason, the final pre- was it the final preseason game? It had to be. Um, Crosby actually dropped the gloves of the kid from Buffalo. 
Um, you know, whatever. They kept swung a couple punches and they fell down, whatever. But, um, because a couple of the Sabres hit Latang and whatever and Crosby came in. <laughs> so this guy on the, on the website, on the fight group starts to, oh, it's, it's, it's good to see Sydney f- drop the gloves, but I just wonder, uh, if it had been a bigger player, would he have done it? Uh, he seemed to go after the smaller player. Like, so all of a sudden, so Sydney, so like, what is it? 36 year old Hall of Fame Sydney Crosby, the captain, drops the gloves in a preseason game, but now we're gonna, oh, he fought the smaller man. Oh yeah, the 5'10, 200 pound Crosby. What an animal. Yeah, he fought this. How much smaller can you get? This, oh, I wonder if he was bigger, would he have fought him? Like, so now we're going to accuse Sidney Crosby of spot picking. Yeah, that's that's what we'll do. Like, oh, just... Uh. It's just shit like this. It's like... First of all, the fact that Crosby's even fighting is ridiculous. Let alone in the preseason. But Latang got hit by a couple... Say so he came in and fought the guy. I mean, it wasn't, you know, whatever. But he dropped his shit and went, you know, went after him. There you go. Your Hall of Fame captain. That's more than most of these candy asses they will do. You think Austin Matthews would do that if someone hit Marner? Yeah, right. You know, I laugh though. So this goof sitting there calling Crosby a, or he might be a spot picker. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's funny though. Oh, Russian machine, the big power forward, Alex Ovechkin, been in a total of three whole fights in his life. Uh, no one, when he beat up the 18 year old Russian that had never been in a fight before, I, I noticed, and that was smaller, I noticed no one was calling Ovechkin a spot picker. You know, well, it's just, because it's just so absurd. But it's just like, oh, just, it's just anything, like, I get you don't like Crosby, whatever, I don't care. It's Cindy. You know, oh yeah, okay. I mean, you can say what you want about Crosby and everything else, and it's the same thing as I brought up in the other episode with Stone fighting, we're going after that guy and stuff. <laughs> Do you want to know why these guys win? Do you want to know why Crosby's a winner? That's why. You want to know why Vegas won the Stanley Cup? That's why. Do you want to know why Toronto never does and Matthews is a chicken shit? That's why. You know, that there's a difference there. Figure it out. But yes, my week on the internet. Uh, you know, I actually really don't want to harp too much on this, but it's it, it's just little things. Like, somebody brought up the video of, like, McSorley fighting Clark Gillies. It's, like, from 1983. Marty's literally 20 years old. He's a rookie. And he fights Gillies. Some guy goes, oh, yeah, pretty classless of McSorley to leave his helmet on. Oh, just, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, we're, oh, okay. Classless. I love that one. We're talking about classy in a fist fight. It's got to be classy. These fucking bozos in these, I swear, the majority of these clowns in these fight groups have no earthly idea of what an enforcer is, what enforcing is about, what it was about, what the, like... If I hear one more thing about, I'm Probert came out of a jersey, that's unfair. You know, it's just on, or brown jump guys, or Samanko did this, and they don't, they, they should square up if they're gonna fight. Like, you have no clue what any of this is about. You really don't. It's just, it's a baffling to me. Oh, it's just, it's just embarrassing. Like, just embarrassing. 
And like even tonight, oh, that fucking Wi-Fi kid and Reeves fought. Oh, they didn't even really fight. Whatever, he came in and grabbed, wrestled over. Oh yeah, Revo didn't look very impressive. Yeah, oh, okay. Like all these guys just clamoring to give Reeves the L, you know, in some nothing bullshit fight. You know, I think I think this Wi-Fi kid is literally the 2023 version of Neil Sheehy, you know, or Brian Curran. Could we wrestle a little more? That's all I see him do is wrestle people. You know, my short Revo. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did he ever? Yeah. It's a good thing the net was there. Oh, okay. Like, it reminds me back of the message board days when, like, Brashear would fight or twist. Like, all these guys were just so deaf. All the little fanboys were just so desperate just so they could come on the message board. Type in, I'll say, yeah, he lost. Yeah. Three punches to one, he lost. You know. Oh, it's watch. Every time Reeves gets into anything. Oh, glad the goon's getting it. Oh, okay, yeah, clutch the pearls. The goon, that's one guy. Oh, the leaf goon got taken care of. I told him, I said, if you think Reeves is a goon, you've never seen a goon before, clearly. Oh, I know he's not a goon, but anybody in this group should know what I mean. No, no one knows what you mean. Oh, I guess maybe the other modern day, the modern day hockey fan, I guess they know what you mean. I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. But, okay, he's the goon. This is the same bozo that Crosby was uh, spot-picking. Yeah, now Reeves is a goon, and oh, yeah. Like, tell me you're about 19 years old without actually saying it. Like, oh. Just this shit's just embarrassing. Like, I don't know. Well, Well, I guess it's, and it's not just like, oh, it's older fans too. Like, all put up a picture of Fatio and see the comments that you get. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember I was there at the Saddle Dome. Oh, yeah. Marty McSorley wanted nothing to do with Nicky. Got they square off, but he wouldn't engage. I noticed Fatio didn't really fucking grab McSorley either. Like, I, it's interesting. And I, I have no problem with Fatio. I mean, whatever. But I, how many square off no fights was that guy in? How many? Countless. Well, who's the common theme in all of this? Him. You know, but I laughed but when these Fatio guys talk, it's everyone was afraid of Nick. Yeah, Marty McSorley, the guy who fought everybody for 900 games, was somehow scared to engage in the over-the-hill Nick Fatio in Calgary. Yeah, sure he was. Okay. You know. <laughs> Fuck. Ah! It's just, it doesn't end. Oh, and then, of course, the whole Gillies-Ben Wilson thing. Well, Gillies was a fighter. Ben Wilson was a goon. What What do you mean? It was Why Why was he a goon? I said goons don't play in all-star games. Oh, no, it's because when Wilson fought, he tried to hurt people. Okay? I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I guess I'm the idiot here. I always assume, wasn't that, isn't that the point of a fist fight? Was to hurt people? I mean, I guess, call me a troglodyte or whatever, but it's, uh, uh, what, what a word. Uh, um, what are you talking about? I, was like, I said, well, and like I told the guy, isn't that the point of the fist fight is to hurt people? Like, what? Like, oh, okay. Well, it wasn't, round two, yeah, old Clark, Clark really kicked his ass. Go back, for anybody listening right now, I'm sure the old timers know what I'm talking about, but anybody go back, type in Clark Gillies, Ben Wilson, round two. Is that an ass kicking to you? Uh, what what are these people talking about? Again, with this exaggeration shit. 
And this guy and I went back and forth. And I'm like, That's, well, how is that an ass kicking? Like, okay. Oh, you're from New York. Oh, you're an Islander. Oh, shocking. Okay, well, I guess that's why it's an ass kicking. Just this stupid shit. That just, it's like today, there, somebody put up the Probert Brown fight. That's why Bob's the best, and that's not even a discussion. Well, I said, there's always a discussion to be had. Not in my mind. I said, oh, well, that's a mature way of looking at it. You know, like, <laughs> all right. You know, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's Wednesday night and I'm just sort of rambling here. I got a lot on my mind and a bunch of shit on my plate right now. And I don't know, I guess, uh, maybe recording an episode probably wasn't the best idea, but I wanted to put something out, but I don't know. It just seems like lately it's just these, uh, well, now that the hockey season started, all oh, the stupidity will be ramped up even more. I laugh at some of these guys, like you just, just clinging to anything for 2023 hockey to be tough. Like, like really, do you think, really, do you think there's going to be real tough hockey in the NHL this year? Like, what are you clinging to? Like, oh, God. Oh, and of course, the Connor Bedard era has begun. Did you see that when him and Crosby on opening night there yesterday? Took the face off. And the fucking ref goes, to, hey, Connor, welcome to the NHL guy. Oh, fuck. How about some milk and cookies after the game? Like, what the fuck? Like, just drop the fucking puck and let's go. Welcome to the NHL, buddy. Like, oh, fuck. Just fuck sports is so pathetic now. Ugh. Watching these baseball playoffs, kid... Does it, does every jerk off who gets the second base have to point to the dugout and do some stupid dance routine or fuck me? Really? Like every home runs a pimp trot. Every time, every hit you get on base, you got to point to the dugout. Cross at home plate, you got to point to the sky. Oh, it's constant. Just look at me fucking douchebaggery. Like, oh. Everything, everything is just so douchey now. I was talking to Alec. He was at like his nephew's baseball game. The kid's like nine in Florida. And they they were playing walk-up music for each guy. What the fuck is this? Like, just, why? Oh, it's fun. Like, oh, I guess. Like, if I was nine years old walking up to home plate and somebody... Hit play on a ghetto blaster, I'd be just embarrassed. Like, Jesus. Like, well, this, this episode has already gone down the toilet and I'm like 14 minutes in. Oh, uh, well, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even talk about the other boys. Well, like I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Well, I might not be if I keep putting out episodes like this, but for now I am. Other members include Joel, Joel Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicle, and he just released the, uh, this year's Islander preview show. Uh, I did listen to it. Joe, I can tell you I really wasn't all that thrilled with it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But I, I could... Uh, although Joe getting irritated by Matthew Barzell kind of makes me laugh, but I'm like, I don't know who half these people you're talking about are, but all right, you know. Yeah, it, uh, but, you know, that's, Joe has his Islander, hardcore Islander followers, so 
they'll be into it. I give Joe, I, I don't know. Joe's loyal. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. <laughs> uh, but yes, Joe, Joe Lazito. Give her the Lazito. Alec over at the Five for Fighting podcast. His latest episode is, uh, well, he's got, well, it is not out yet. So I will talk about his, he just actually had Luke Gazdick on. Uh, that was a really good interview. Um, yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Gazdick actually. And, uh, and like I said, he, he's really, he was really into the role and, uh, enjoyed talking the fights and breaking them down. And yeah, cool guest, man. I dig it. Uh, so check out Luke Gazdick and, uh, yeah. Also on YouTube, fourth line voice on YouTube. I have over 2000 videos on there. Uh, give it a subscribe to the channel. If you watch a video and you enjoy it, hit the thumbs up button. I know it's corny, but YouTube, it, it helps in the algorithms and also download, don't stream the episodes. But if you're listening to this podcast, Joe's podcast, Alex, or whoever podcast you're listening to, um, please hit the star rating if you could and subscribe. Uh, again, uh, Spotify, iTunes, they love that stuff. It helps out in the algorithms. It helps out the creator. And, uh, yeah, it would be very much appreciated. You know what, what else would be appreciated if you, uh, if you signed up for the on DraftKings using the promo code THPN, here I'm going to tell you all about it. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Joe Burrow, is he back? Two and a half point favorites at home to a real tough Seattle team. That's going to be an interesting game. Detroit on the road, favored in Tampa Bay. Another one. Is this the year of the Lions? Finally. How many decades has that been? We'll see. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 years age, varies by jurisdiction, Boyden, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right. Well, there we go. Well, like I said, we have a, we have a top 50 list here, so we got to get into this. You could send this to be the 50 biggest thugs in hockey history. All right. Well, let's... By April Wiener. Oh, there we go. October 18th, 2011. Thug. Now, a common criminal who treats others violently and roughly. That's the common definition of the word thug. Unfortunately, there have been many thugs in hockey over the years. Instead of just including common criminals, we've expanded this to be the players who were involved in some of the most violent instances on the ice. Here are the 50 biggest thugs in NHL history. Note. I've included violent instances from leagues besides the NHL, including a former WHA, AHL, and international contest. I did not include the European leagues. 
Okay. Number 50, Patrick Coletta. Coletta may, may fly under the radar behind more high-profile pests in the NHL, but he's drawn criticism for his style of play. There's a fine line between what's an acceptable hockey player and what is a dangerous attempt to injure another player. This uh, this hit from Coletta is definitely closer than the latter. Oh, it's a, a video. Um, I, okay, well, I guess we're we're all for one here. I can't I can't really give you any instances of Patrick Coletta. When someone says his name to me, I don't my eyes don't glaze over and I go back to uh, to. Uh, remember a whole bunch of instances of uh, Coletta being nasty, but all right. Number 49, Chris Neal. Neal Yawa Center is another player who plays very close to the line, bordering physical play and dangerous play. Sometimes he steps over the line into dangerous territory. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I've, I don't know. I've, I've, I've never viewed Chris Neal as a dirty player. He was a physical player that knew his role and um, did it in Ottawa for 10 plus years and um, he was awesome in Ottawa. Um, every team would want Chris Neal. I don't thug. I, I, okay. What was that? What was the definition again? Uh, who treats others violently and roughly? Well, yeah, then I guess if that's the, if that's the definition, I guess he was, but I don't know. He, uh, he did it well for over a thousand games. So I, I think he must've been doing something right. Number 48, Steve Ott. Ott of the Dallas Stars. Yet another player who tre- treads the thin line between acceptable and unacceptable. Ott has been suspended a couple times in his career so far. Once for a hit to the head of Jordan Leopold. Another for the eye gouge of Travis Mullen. Whether accidental or not, it remains an argument. Um, I mean, Ott was a pest and everything else. I don't, I can't speak on the eye gouge thing of Travis Mullen. I don't remember that. But, I mean, I was never an Ott guy. He was annoying as shit. But, I mean, that was his job. But, um, I mean, I think he was a, a, a modern version of Matthew Barnaby, kind of Barnaby 2.0. I he did, he was around for a long time, did his job. I mean, again, I don't, this, we're off to a hot start here. This, you know, I, whatever I get, this reminds me of like what I was ranting about before in the, in the fight groups, these people that are a goon. If he's a goon, you don't know what a goon is. It's kind of like what we're at so far. If you think these guys are thugs, you don't really know what a thug is. But, all right. 40, Jordan Tutu. Uh, Tutu is offside as a dirty player, largely stemming from two incidents in 07. One of the incidents is hit on Stefan Robita. Stars rendering Robita unconscious and concussed. Um, I know from what I remember watching Tutu in, in junior when he played for Brandon, he was dirty as shit back then. I mean, just running guys and just, um, just some real, yeah, borderline dangerous hits. Did not give a shit. Could run, could score. Everyone hated Tutu to play against them. Um, I don't know. I like Jordan Tutu, but I, I could see, I, I could see how that type of player would, I mean, opposing fans, obviously, whatever. They, if they're not on your team, they don't like them. I, I mean, I get it. But I could see how, like, playing against them, oh, he'd be instantly hateable for sure. You know, uh, you know, just running around and, and, uh, and I, and I, I think, and I think just constantly hitting, right? It's just one of those guys. But yeah, I could see that. Yarker Rutu, same thing. Another past who earned the reputation of being a dirty play following his bite on Andrew Peters. What may not be one of the most vicious attacks on the list, biting is definitely not part of the game and only intent to cause pain. I mean, isn't that when he bit his thumb on his glove, I think? Um, yeah, I mean, biting anybody is fairly ridiculous. I was never a Rutu fan, but 
And he, and, but again, a past would fight sometimes. Um, again, I, I mean, what I, I just, they're using the definition of the thug and whatever pretty loosely here. Like, are we just going to, every guy that actually throws a body check and fights now and again as a thug on this list, according to April? I mean, that's sort of where we're at right now. Uh, Gary, oh, there you go. Gary Suter. Okay. The 98 Winter Olympics Nagano. It's first time NHL players could attend the Olympics and represent their countries. However, that did not include Paul Korea as he suffered from post-concussion syndrome following a cheap shot by Suter. Well, Suter also hit Wayne Gretzky from behind too, did he not? Um, I mean, I guess it was because it was Korea and Suter. I mean, Korea and Gretzky, I'm, I'm, Suter's in my mind. But I mean, Gary Suter was a heck of a player. And I mean, I don't, I mean, okay, those hits or whatever. I mean, I don't really call, recall Gary Suter having a history of like cheap shots. Um, but I guess those two were obviously kind of dirtier plays and it was probably just, I mean, if he had hit Joe Blow, like the way he hit Gretzky, we wouldn't be talking about Gary Suter. But since it was Gretzky, it was like, holy shit, right? So, but yeah, okay. I mean, played a long time with an all-star player and everything else. I don't, I don't know if I would be calling Gary Suter a thug, but, uh, you know, okay. Number 40, Jeff Co- Jeff Kugel. Well, I can tell you there's the... I thought we are Okay, hold on. I know she said... Uh, they were the 50 biggest thugs in NHL history. Okay, well... Yeah, so even your opening, I don't know what you're talking about. So clearly, it's including, well, I know she said we're good, we're, it's going to be the top 50 of the NHL, but I also included blah, blah, blah. So, okay, well, then it's not just the NHL, but, uh, all right, this author is, April, you're throwing, you're, you're, you're every which way but loose here, but, uh, Jeff Kugel, holy shit, there's a name I haven't heard of in a long time. Well, playing in the OHL, Kugel's role is primarily that of an enforcer, but he took it a little far in one game. He sucker-punched another player and was suspended 25 games by the OHL. They tried to give him a lifetime ban, but it was repealed. Since his hockey career vaporized, Kugel spent some time in the mixed martial arts, perhaps where he belongs. Um, I know Kugel fought Butterbean in a cage fight, I believe. Um, was it a cage fight or a boxing match? No, it had to be a cage fight. Um... Yeah, I mean, Kugel was a huge dude, uh, played in Windsor, um, of course, it was, if you just type in Jeff Kugel on YouTube, it comes up immediately, it made national news, um, I believe it was Steve Ott, wasn't it, that jumped, that jumped the bench first for the other team, and Kugel basically chased him down, and Ott took off, of, didn't engage with him, and then Kugel was kind of skating around the ice, threw his helmet off, and was trying to whatever, and he, Sucker punched some Russian kid that was standing there. That's what got everybody mad. Branch and hockey can and everything. Because the Russian kid's parents had come over and were watching him play. Of course, as soon as they get there, they're watching this six foot seven Jeff Kugel come off the bench and punch this kid in the head. Um, you know, I don't know if the kid was injured or not. It didn't look good, though. And then Kugel was doing kind of this WWF thing and whatever and... Branch had a hissy fit, suspended him for life, and then they were sent to 25 games and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, just type in Jeff Kugel, K-U-G-E-L. Type in Jeff Kugel to YouTube. It'll come up. Um, the other team basically jumped the bench first, and then, well, one guy jumped the bench, so Kugel jumped his bench. Um, so, yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. It, it, he didn't do anything that didn't happen in the 70s and 80s and constantly, but unfortunately for him, it was uh, the late, I believe it was the late 90s. So that will get you a lifetime ban. But Jeff Google makes the list. I love it. Uh, number 40, 87 World Juniors. Oh, there you go. The 87 World Junior game between Canada and the Soviet Union. Massive brawl where officials actually turned out the lights of the arena in hopes of stopping the fight. Um, that's true. They did. Uh, again, the punch up in Pistani. Uh, yeah, uh, Canada and the Soviet Union cleared the benches and had a brawl. Canada, there were like Theron Fleury and Shanahan and Everett Santa Pass and, uh, there was a bunch of tough dudes on that team. And, uh, Mike Keane, Keane's just tuning some Russian guy. Um, and they, yeah, and the officials who weren't like they're from Finland or whatever, they didn't know how to handle it, so they shut the lights off. And that's what you want in a huge bench clearing brawl. Somebody turned the lights off on you. Um, yeah, crazy times. I know that was a lot of, I know Canada was playing for like the gold medal and the Russians had, were like eliminated. And so the Russians empty left the bench first and there was a lot of back and forth like, yo, you, and cause Canada was winning the game 5-1 or something. And they were like, oh, you did that on purpose. So we'd get a ban and blah, blah, blah. And of course it made big news here. And of course the local media guys or whatever were crying that Canada should so disciplined and it was unsportsmanlike. And I thought Don Cherry was going to beat the shit out of, uh, it wasn't Ron McLean. Who was the other guy? Brian uh, Brian Williams. I think it was, that's who it was. Is that what the guy's name? I'm trying to. I'm drawing a blank on his name. But him and Cherry were in the studio, and he was saying how disgusting it was that Canada would fight like that, and completely forgetting the fact that the Russian team left their bench. Like, what are you going to do? The whole Russian team leaves their bench. You're going to leave your five guys on the ice. And again, this is 1987, and a lot of the Canadian players, obviously, they all played juniors. And they still had brawls back in juniors and stuff. And you had some tougher guys on the Canadian team that they weren't going to sit there and watch the, the other team, the Russians leave their bench and start fighting five guys. Of course they're going to leave the bench. That's what Cherry was saying. Like, oh yeah, what if it was your kid out there? You know, oh, I hope he chose some restraint. Like, what is doing this shit? And I guess like Cherry was like, I'm going to beat, when they went off the air, like on a commercial break, I bet he just looked at Ryan Woods. He's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you if you keep talking. Like, that oh, was hilarious, but anyway. Yeah, so Cherry was like literally the old chorus. Once again, the only guy sticking up for Team Canada in the media in 1987. Number 42, Rocket Richard. Uh, Richard is not known as a thug, but warrants a mention considering the Richard riot. March 13th, 1955, Richard was involved in the altercation with the Lions. When following the incident, Richard was suspended for the rest of the season, including the playoffs. Montreal fans did not approve of the suspension. And when NHL President Clarence Campbell attended the game in Montreal four days later, a riot was started spilled outside the arena. Yeah, they broke storefronts, started fire. It was a big deal in Montreal. Uh, I remember Richard had to like go on the radio and tell everybody to calm down. But uh, yeah, Richard was a known hothead. I mean, obviously a Hall of Fame player, but... Yeah, again, it's one of those things. I mean, if he had done that today, he'd be suspended forever. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's happened a bunch of times. But yeah, you can't you can't hit a linesman or you can't punch a ref or whatever. Because, I mean, once you start doing that, it's like complete anarchy, right? Now you have no... You have to, you have to respect the authority of the refs. You can't be... Now, again, there's linesmen that when fights are going on, they jump in earlier, grab one guy like the Kevin Collins. They, like, I get it. I get why players get mad. Oh, I'm sure there's been more. Like, I still can't believe Chris Simon that time when he got his nose broken because Collins grabbed him and nobody grabbed the other guy and Simon got his nose broken in that fight. They're going off the ice and Simon's just screaming at Kevin Collins. 
you know, I can't, and Simon of all people, I can't believe Simon didn't drill him. I thought for sure, I'm like, oh, Simon's going to hit him because he's so fucking mad. Not that, like, I don't blame him either. But yeah, so I mean, but still, uh, don't be touching stripes, but yeah. Number 41, Trevor Gillies. Oh, there you go. Gillies only played 54 NHL games on a full season, but he's already served two suspensions. First, he's suspending following the incident in the heated Islander-Pittsburgh matchup where he elbowed uh, Eric Tangrady and continued to hit him when he was down on the ice. Mm, yeah, not really, but when he came back from that suspension that very night he returned, he was suspended 10 games for a dangerous hit on Cal Clutterbuck. Well, it wasn't dangerous. It was a, And Clutterbuck was... That was bullshit suspension. I can remember that. It was his first game back. Clutterbuck hits, hit, I think it was Tavares, or he hit, it was a, he hit any, somebody from the Islanders kind of from behind, and immediately, and Gillies is already on the ice, Gillies went over and hit him, but it really wasn't from behind, it was from the side, but they made this big deal, like, oh, he hit him in the head, of course Clutterbuck went down and sold it like he got shot, well, they kicked Gillies out, immediately Clutterbuck's back up and continues playing, like, oh, it was just horrible, and they gave him 10 games, it was like, well, no, because he won't learn his lesson, what lesson? Guy was fine. How do you give someone 10 games when nobody was injured? That's what I don't get. Like on some of these suspensions, it's like, oh, they gave him this much. Why? The guy didn't miss a shift. So how can he get 10 games? Like, but it was just because it was Gillies. I mean, if it had been Tavares that had thrown that hit, they wouldn't have given him anything. But, and the whole thing, um, the whole, when, when Gillies is standing at the door in that Pittsburgh thing yelling at, it looks like he's yelling at a, a fallen player. No, he's yelling at the trainer because the trainer had been mouthing off. And then as he was sitting there, the trainer's looking over the uh, uh, Tangretti there. And he's he's looking at Gillies and mouthing off. That's who Gillies is yelling at. He's not mouthing off uh, numbnuts who's lying on the ice. Gillies tells that whole story. Speaking of Joel Lazito, go listen to his Gillies, his like five-part saga with Trevor Gillies. It's, Gillies is an awesome guest, though. He tells great stories. But obviously, he talks about this Pittsburgh thing. The Penguins started it the game before, and the Islanders finished it. We'll put it that way. And it was a huge brawl-filled game, and it was great. But, of course, Gillies gets this singled out, like, oh, he's some crazy person. It's like, not really, but, you know, okay. But, yeah, but that Clutterbuck thing was bullshit. Tom Lysiak, a most violent instance on the ice violence between multiple players. However, Lysiak involved abuse of official. Hefty consequences. October 30th, 83. Lysiak tripped linesman Ron Foyt was suspended 20 games longest in league history. Um, yeah, again, goes back to what I was saying before about, you know, touching the refs and stuff. The Lysiak thing, I don't think there's video of. I know I've read about it. I think it was like off a of face-off. Lysiak like lined up behind him and kind of like chopped the back of his legs or something. Like it, it was obvious. It was fairly an intentional shot. So it's like, um, you know, do I like you know was he going to injure him or anything? Well, no. But I mean, again, it was more. Yeah, you can't you can't be touching. You can't be touching the refs. Uh, Thirty nine. Ron Hextall. Most goalies, in particular, stay out of st- fights and scrums, leaving the other one skaters. Particularly, the enforcers, not Ron Hextall. Hextall has evolved in multiple fights in his career and accumulated more than a hundred penalty minutes each of his first three seasons, becoming the first goaltender to reach hundred penalty minutes. The incident against Chris Chelios, that some would say qualifies him for inclusion on this list. Ah, Chelios deserved it. Chelios had taken out Brian Prop earlier in the series, so when the clock was winding down in the series and Montreal was advancing and 
uh, Hextall took it upon himself to kind of just comes charging out at Chelios and knocks him down with whatever. Um, I actually kind of, I, I was, I was all right with it. Um, overall though, not a huge Hextall fan. I was never a fan of a guy that like used his blocker. Like I get the goalies had to make space and throw their blockers around with this idea. Like Hextall, when he chopped down Kent Nielsen in the back of the knees, like there was no reason for it. Like I know you're pissed off or whatever, but like Kent Nielsen really like, I don't know, it was just shit like that in the dub. Like, if you go to my YouTube channel, like, there's a brawl between the Pats and the Wheat Kings, and, like, Hextall chops down on this guy's head with his stick. It's brutal. You should check it out. Um, he was always doing shit like that. And then, I don't know, when he fight. Well, then the one time he actually skates length of the eight fights Pot Van gets beat up, you know. That's one thing I always said about Billy Smith. I mean, Smith was dirty and everything else, too, but he'd pop his mask off and drop everything and actually fist fight guys. Like, I'll give Smith that, but, I mean, Hextall wouldn't do that. Um, you know, I, like I said, I was never a big Hextall guy. I was just kind of, eh, you know, whatever. But the Chelios thing was pretty sweet. I'll say that. 38, David Shaw. What? Shaw is a household name, but he made a name for himself with high-sticking superstar Lemieux during a game in 88. Shaw would serve 12 games suspension for the incident. Oh, is that when he speared Lemieux? Like, he kind of shortened up and butt-ends him. I mean, the one thing I will say, like... Lemieux for his great talent and everything, obviously he's one of the best ever. Lemieux's a dirty bastard. He was a big guy, but he was chippy. And he wasn't afraid to like muck it up and get dirty. Now granted, there was guys taking shots at him constantly, so he would take his shots back, of course. And I'm sure him and Shaw were kind of getting into it. Unless, like again, I haven't reviewed any of this shot. If, if I'm pretty sure I remember Shaw kind of shortening up his stick and like jabbing Lemieux like right in the ribs. It was a pretty good shot, actually. I didn't really get him. If it's the one I'm thinking of, I'm just, I didn't know they gave him 12 games for that. It was a pretty... I, uh, now, I mean, I get it's thuggish behavior, I suppose. I don't know if David Shaw would make my list as 50 biggest thugs in hockey history, but all right. Th- Andre Watt, 37. What? 2002, Watt was the Lightning was slapped 13 games suspension after incident where he left the penalty box to try to engage in a Ranger player in the other penalty box. Okay, whatever. In the process, he was an official, thus warranting the lengthy suspension. Um, yeah, I mean, Andre Watt, I will say, had a, a heart, hair trigger temper, and um, I love me some Andre Watt, though. But, uh, again, I don't... Again, like I was saying, I guess I can't be out of both sides of my mouth. You can't be abusing officials. Um, off the, I, this Actually, this incident they're talking about, I don't even remember, so I can't, I can't comment on it. But uh, I know Watt did have a temper, for sure. Um, again, this, this list is sort of amusing to me. I, I'm not really, I mean, I guess we're, if, first of all, I'm surprised it's 50. I mean, all right, but I'm, the names on it, she's, I'm like, all right, I guess, but yeah, 36, Tony Granato, like it, it although yeah, the suspended for the slash on, on Neil Wilkinson. Yeah, that slash was brutal on Granato's part. Wilkinson threw a big open ice, clean shot on, on Granato, solid hit. And when Granato stood up, he just to like brings the stick down like he's chopping wood. It was brutal. And Wilkinson was like down and out. Like it was, it was a dirtiest shot. And Granato, even when I think it was on spit and shiglets, he was like, yeah, it was gross and stupid on my part. And you know. Does that warrant a list of the 50 biggest thugs? Ah, oh, probably not, but we'll see where this list is going. 35 Dave Brown. Well, okay, I agree Brown's a thug. Yeah. Broad Street Bullies, Flyers, long been in Terry Force play. Uh, one instance came in 87 when Brown cross-checked Sandstrom and broke his jaw. Uh, yeah, that's the, I know Sandstrom was a little rat and everything else, but that Brown, that cross-check by Dave Brown was brutal on Sandstrom without a doubt. Um, 
yeah, Brown was a mean motherfucker, man. Um, well, like they said at the start of this, uh, with the, the thug, uh, who treats others violently and roughly. Well, that's, I mean, that, that, that's like, I should be on Dave Brown's hockey card. Like, but again, back then, and I get rightly or wrongly, I mean, that was their, his role and his, the point and everybody old brown jump guys, he had the sleeve and he was mean and yeah, yeah, he was, that was the whole point. He was a face breaker. He was mean. He was going to jump you and inflict damage and he didn't give a shit and that's what made him effective and yeah, that's what made him one of the best. Yeah, Brown was a mean motherfucker. So yeah, he completely deserves to be on this list. 34, Zdeno Chara. Uh, okay. One of the most difficult hockey players to watch in modern hockey history came last, well, last, yeah, I guess this is an old article. Chara hit on Patrick. Oh yeah, Patrick when he drove him into the turnbuckle. Yeah. Combination of the players playing on the ice and the size difference contributed to how bad the play turned out. Some argued Chara did it on purpose and knew what the others, other argues it was an accident. Um, yeah, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I mean, yeah, he just, he drove him into the stanchion. It was pretty brutal. I mean, the thing is, is Char is so goddamn big. I mean, when he gets a hold of you, you know, it's like Southwest Airlines. You know, you're gonna go, you're gonna arrive in your destination, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, yeah, and I mean, would I call Char a thug after that? Like, I get like. Like, to say it was done on purpose, I mean, at that point, it's like, because everything is happening so fast. Like, I think he was going to wallpaper uh, old patches for sure. I think the fact that the stanchion happened to be there was sort of a, a lucky a coincidence. I don't think he was setting up for that exact play. Oh, if I ever get someone right here, I'm going to drive him into the turnbuckle. But uh, that's just the way it turned out, just due to the where they were on the ice. But So do I think he did it on purpose? Nah. But at the same time, he's not going to hold up either. So, yeah. 33, Steve Downey. Downey, the past couple of seasons, has been a tamer version of the old Downey. Uh, Downey, for instance, in the minors was when he fought his own teammate. Then when he played for the Flyers, he earned a 20-game suspension for his hit on Dean McCam. In other instances, may have caused the belief that he deliberately attempted to injure opponents. Um, yeah, I mean, Downey, well, it was that Akeem guy, Alou, in junior that he fought. Um which that whole hazing thing and all that nonsense we won't get into, but you know, all of that aloof sounds like a, you know, there seems to be kind of trouble following that guy around too. Um, I don't like, I get, again, call me an old thug and everything else. Uh, I mean that hit on friggin' Dean, Mc, it's funny to me. It's not funny, but it, like, you know, when you want to see anybody get hurt, but it seems to me like that hit on McCammon that everybody loses their mind about, Everybody seemed to celebrate the Wendell Clark on Bruce Bell hit. That was pretty much the exact same thing. So, and no one really gave a shit back then, but Downey does it. And all of a sudden he's making thug lists, you know, um, it was a brutal hit. I, I don't, I've never, I don't know, call me an asshole. I never actually thought it was that bad. I mean, I, I guess I've, I guess it's, I've become so desensitized to shit in my old age that I kind of, like I said, I saw Wendell Clark do that to Bruce Bell and it made hockey highlights everywhere, and people were like, well, that's Wendell, he's our guy, you know, and, you know, Downey does it all these years later, and it's holy fuck, they, you know, they want to give him three to five in the state pen for it, so, yeah, it's just funny how the mindset changes from decade to decade, I guess, but, all right, 32, Wolf Samuelson, well, yeah, all right, I would have put him a lot higher, actually, wide to regard as one of the dirtiest players in history, one of the plays that infamous is for the play, considering 
be one of the main contributing factors to Cam Neely's early retirement. Well, yeah, that, and he took out Pierre Mondu's eye, broke Scrutal's knee. Yeah, fuck off, Samuelson. No, he should, he would have been in my top three on this list for sure. Dale Hunter at 31, a talented player, but also a reputation dirty player, received one of the hardest, harshest suspensions for hitting Pierre Turgeon after he had scored. Yeah, the thing on Turgeon was brutal. I, I, that, to me, that just made Hunter look like such a fucking donkey. Cause it wasn't, like, I get you're trying to intimidate whatever, but like, Turgeon's so fucking soft. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, he was running around on people, right? So, it was so pointless. And that was the thing. And like, 21 game suspension. Hunter's a good player, thousand point guy. Like, you don't want him out of your lineup for 21 games. So it was, it was actually a real selfish suspension. I mean, I'm all for a, if afterwards, if you're in a scrum, you give Turgeon a pop in the lips or slap him in the side of the ear and saw that. Yeah, okay, I'm down with that. But I, that whole, he was had to stay, oh, and he ran him after he scored. And I didn't even know. I didn't, you know, like, okay, Dale, settle down. You just snapped and that, you know, the wires crossed. It, it was brutal. I mean, like Terjean, I think he was fine. I don't know if Terjean was hurt, was he? I don't think he was. Or did he get separated shoulder? I don't know. I can't remember. I think Terjean was okay from it. But either way, it was it was a stupid play. And and like I said, Hunter was a great player. I was never a Dale Hunter fan, but I mean, Jesus, you know, three a thousand points in three thousand minutes. I mean, the guy was, yeah, holy. You'd want him on your team, but yeah, for him just to do that stupid shit and get twenty one games for it, it wasn't helping anybody. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alexander Parahogan. Is present Paris Hogan? I don't even know how to say that name. Whatever. OHL's Hamilton Bull. What? Involved in Stafford. Both players are swinging their sticks at one another. Made con. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was in the crease. I remember it was. Well, it's not in the OHL. It was the American League. Oh, this guy. I remember that. Yeah, that's Stafford. He ended up, uh, um, like two-handed him and he ended up with a concussion and he was like twitching and shit. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. That was a brutal stick swing. Um, yeah, that was gross. 29, Jesse Bullerice. Bullerice served the longest, one of the longest suspension league history behind Simon McSorley and Bertuzzi. Served 25 game suspension for cross-checking Kessler in the face in 07. Well, and of course he was banned from the OHL for the, for the first two-hander on, was it Andrew Long? Um, yeah, Bullerice had a history of stick stuff and, uh, and it was too bad because he was a tough enough, good, tough D man that didn't need to do that shit. Um, I don't know if people know, but, uh, yeah, Bullerice was on the world junior team with the Americans on the world junior team. He was a good player, like good sandpaper D man that would fight good fighter. Um, so he didn't need to do the stick shit, but yeah, yeah, Bullerice was, yeah, pretty dirty. 28 Dino Cicerelli. On ice incident turned into an off ice legal incident. It was when Cicerelli assaulted Maple Leafs Luke Richardson. Uh, incident warranted assault conviction, $1,000 fine, and sentenced to one day in jail. Yeah, that was brutal too. Like, I know Richardson kind of hit him, and Cicerelli turned around, swung a stick, hit him in the head. And yeah, anytime you're swinging sticks at people's heads, it's like, what are you doing? Like, like I get the chop in the legs, or, you know, a little shot, like a whack in the back of the knees, get attention, or whatever, I get it, but. When you start swinging at guys' heads and shit, it's like, yeah, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, again, Cicerelli, great player, dirty. You're one of those dirty fuckers. He was always swinging his stick and all that shit. I was never a Dino Cicerelli fan. He was a great player, took a ton of abuse in front of the net, and was a real, you know, I think he was a 500 goal guy. I mean, yeah, he was awesome, but it was just, he was so friggin' chippy. and Yeah, I was never a Cicerelli guy. 27... Jimmy Mann, 1982 Mann, was with the Winnipeg Jets, served 10-game suspension for sucker-punching Paul Gardner, one of the stiffest suspensions at the time. 
Um, yeah, man sucker punched him, but I mean, that back then, I mean, it's 1982. I mean, you can say what you want, but, uh, he was enforcing because, I mean, Gardner had cross checked one of the, one of the better Jets players. Was it Mantha or Boschman? Uh, whatever. He, he had cross, he like, yeah, he cross checked the guy like right in the face, like broke a stick of this guy. And it was like, I don't even know if there was a call or if there was, it was like a minor penalty, but the guy was like, he cross-checked the guy right in the face. So like on the face off and shit, or they're lining up for the face off or, you know, they're, you know, line change or whatever. And they're coming out in the ice to do the face off man just goes over to Gardner and drills them. And it's like, yeah, motherfucker, you're going to cross-check people in the face. You get what you get. That punch was fucking karma. If you ask me, I never had a problem with it. I mean, you get, I mean, it's not like, again, it's like one of these things. It's not like the ass kicking just fell out of the sky. Like man just decided, well, I'm going to skate out here on the ice and punch the first Penguins player I see. Well, no, Gardner had that shit coming. Um, so I, I never had a problem with man doing that shit. Fucking eh. 26, Tiger Williams on the ice incident resulted in a legal action when Tiger Williams hit Dennis Ochar with a stick. He was charged with assault, but was later acquitted. Williams not known for was known for being a top player, but he typically kept it to normal fights. Um, yeah, I'm not quite familiar with uh, with this stick incident. Again, anytime you're using your stick, eh. But I don't know, but this whole charging with assault and all this shit, because, I mean, you know, if we're going to start charging people with assault in a hockey game, every, I mean, by the definition of the law, every penalty that's called is an assault. Like, I can't walk around the city streets just tripping people. Or, you know, interference. I can't just go body check them into a wall. It's like, everything could be assault if you really want to break it down. So, um, but I don't know if I necessarily recall Tiger Williams. Was he a dirty player? I don't really recall him. I mean, I know he's obviously the most penalized player and all that. But, I mean, I saw, I suppose... Oh, I mean, by 2023 standards, he's the boogeyman. But I'm in in his time frame when he was playing, was he considered? Would he be a could Tiger Williams be considered a dirty player? I don't know who am I asking. I'm just I'm asking the listening audience. I mean, I don't know. I never thought that he was. I mean, again, I, am I some of Tiger Williams aficionado? No, but I don't really recall. I mean, he was a wrestler and everything else, and I'm sure there was probably some hair pulling and fish hooking and everything else like O'Reilly and everybody else probably used to do too but I don't remember anybody really bitching about Tiger Williams maybe I'm wrong but I don't remember it but okay number 55 Rick Giazio in a WHA game between the Cowboys and the Quebec Nordique Giazio cross-checked Tardif in the head incident led to a 20-minute brawl that cleared both benches Giazio was pled guilty with assault charge following the incident um there's a really cool uh YouTube channel um Hold on, I'll hit pause and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it for you guys. Yeah, the pro, it's called Pro Hockey Alumni. You should check it out. He does like little biographies on guys, and he does an art. He does a biography on this about Tardif, and it talks about this this incident. But he's got stuff with like Gord Gallant and like he and a number of tough guys. He does documentaries on. It's a really cool channel. I highly recommend you check it out. But yeah, I know the Jazio thing. I was just kind of looking. Um, I know the brawl that fr- is on YouTube, but the incident you can't see it. But I know he, 
kind of he cross checks him and then he like punches him when he's down like he's kind of unconscious it was like it was dirty some dirty shit for sure um but there's no actual video of it but the brawl's out there he said yeah some dude like knee lifting the shit out of guys you get check out the brawl yeah it's uh some pretty wild stuff but yeah i would check out the uh pro hockey alumni channel it's it's really good 24 sean avery avery has managed to escape suspension throughout his career uh, the only time he was suspended was for a sloppy seconds comment. However, most would agree Avery is a thug because of his constant cheap shots and the things he does behind the play, which he gets away with them. Well, if he was doing cheap shots, he'd be suspended. Um, again, Avery was a pest. He wasn't dirty. I mean, he was annoying. I wouldn't call Sean Avery dirty though. He, um, yeah, Avery was just a Barnaby-ish pest that <laughs> probably Avery's teammates didn't like him either. Um, it's one thing to have a big mouth on the ice, but apparently, you know, big mouth behind the scenes and in the locker room and guys just got tired of him and he's a goof. I mean, I watch his shit now. I've ne- I liked Avery the player cause shit, he'd always make shit happen and whatever. And he is a good player. He talked himself out of the league. He was too busy trying to play the character of Sean Avery that teams were just like, ah, fuck this guy, you know, but he had talent for sure. He had talent and he would fight and. Like, I think he had 100 fights and stuff, so it wasn't like he was some pussy that would never back it up. Like, yeah, he'd mouth off and he'd fight, but, um, no, nah, I was never an Avery guy, but I see him on his talk show or his podcast and stuff now and some of his spit jig. He's a, he's just a clown. I don't know. I think, I think a lot of it's obviously a show when he's playing a character and stuff, but I think he's, I think there's some issues there. He's, he just seems like a goof. Number 23, Bobby Clark, 72 flyer representing Canada in the Summit Series. Clark heated up the rivalry, slashing and fracturing the ankle of Harlamov. Nah, he didn't though, because Harlamov played in the other in the other games. That's been a, that's been a myth over the years that he fractured the guy's ankle. He never played again. Yeah, he did. Uh, There's other incidents throughout the years that qualify the brush people in the list. I mean, Clark, yeah, again, was a hatchet guy, stick guy, and would get things going. And then Schultz and Selesky and all them would clear the benches, and Clark would kind of stand behind him. Um, oh, I remember my dad would go on. Oh, he hated Clark. He'd go on and on about him. Um, but a great leader, great player, Hall of Fame talent. Um, yeah, you know, I could see old school fans not liking Bobby Clark. I get it. 22, bought, well, Hound Dog Kelly. There you go. Oh, then 21, Selesky. Oh, they're, we're going to do all the Flyers right in a row, I guess. Hound Dog remember the Flyers. One of the players is charged with assault after an incident in the Maple Leafs after using a stick as a weapon. Um, you know, in 21, Selesky, oh, stick as a weapon against my, Mel Bridgman, stick as a weapon. Yeah, that's when Joe Watson, there you go. That's when all the, the Flyers all uh, all got charged with assault uh, with the Leafs and got hauled off to jail. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess when you look back at the old Broad Street bullies, and sh- I'm assuming Schultz is probably pretty high on this list, I would think. Um, for a young person like who this the writer, this April Wiener, I'm sure this would be nightmare fuel to see this stuff again. Um, for current hockey fans, if you watch stuff from the seventies and early eighties and stuff, and your eyes would be bugged out. You wouldn't believe what you're seeing. So again, I'm probably not the right person to be reading this list. Cause I'm kind of just sort of chuckling at all of it. I mean, if, again, if you use the mindset of 2023, looking at this stuff, well, was the shit from the 70s out of hand? Eh, yeah, you know, they're clearing the benches and all that shit. Yeah, after a while, it would probably be like, you start looking around like, yeah, this is a little getting a little ridiculous. I mean, without a doubt. But at the same time, there was the rivalry and guys hated each other. And that's what made it great was the intensity. And uh, it was cer- you're certainly not going to get that these days. 
Now, again, could it be argued that we need, that they need to bring back the bench clearing brawl in hockey? Ah, probably not. But, um, at the same time, I don't think there could be any doubt of the passion that the players used to have in the, and the rivalry. It was like you really did hate the guy in the other jersey and, uh, that doesn't exist anymore. And it's just, I think it shows, but all right. Number we got past all number eighteen. Uh, Bosber Day Forbes, another player is charged with assault for non-ice incident. Forbes is charged with aggravated assault after a fight with Minnesota Wild Henry Boucher. Forbes' trial ended in the hung jury, though he was acquitted. Boucher never fully recovered, but it seemed like a fluke since Forbes had been involved in more normal fights other times in his career. Yeah, I think Forbes butt ended him, didn't he? In his eye, and he almost lost his eye, or he did lose his eye. Um, yeah, again, anytime you're using your stick as a weapon. Um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, you know, if you're that mad, just drop your shit and fight the guy. Um, so, because I think they had kind of gotten it. If, if I can remember correctly, they got into it. Then they were in the penalty box. And when they came out of the penalty box, I think they thought they were going to fight. And Forbes kind of butt-ended him in the eye. So, yeah. That's pretty gross. Dan Maloney at 17. Dan Maloney, the Red Wings, is charged with assault after he attacked uh, Toronto Maple Leafs Brian Guinea from behind. Maloney was sentenced to community service as well as banned from playing in Toronto for two years. Maloney was not, uh, had other, not as, had other, not as catastrophic fights in his career though. This is very chunky wording here. Um, Dan Maloney, there you go. When you get, when you get sentenced to community service and banned from playing a team, there's some heat. (laughs) There's some heat there. Um, it's 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 funny reading these. I didn't realize so many. I mean, I had heard of these different things, but when you start reading it all at one time, man, I, I was saying back in the '78, there was a lot of like dudes getting charged with assault and shit. Like, God, we talk about like today's shit being like. When was the last time an NHL player was charged with assault? I'm trying to think, when would it be McSorley? Like, I don't think Simon got charged with assault. The Hallwig thing, I don't think. Well, maybe he did. I don't. I don't remember though. But yeah, it seems like shit for, I know there was the, I remember one time and maybe some of you listeners out there can correct me, but I'm pretty sure was it not the mayor of Boston had said, like it was after a bench clearing brawl on the Bruins. It was in the late seventies, early eighties, I believe. And he said something like he is going to send the police on the ice to start making arrests. <laughs> it never happened, but I remember him. I there's news footage out there. Put in like Boston mayor threatens players or something. It'll come up on YouTube. But yeah, he was going to get the city of Boston police to go out in the ice and arrest guys if they yeah because you can't do that on the streets. And I love when people use that excuse. Well, he should be charged. You couldn't do that out in public. Well, yeah, I couldn't do, I couldn't put on equipment and just go run around and hit people in public. Of course not. Like, yeah. Number 16, Ted Green, 69, Ted Green and St. Louis, Wayne Mackey were involved in the stick swing at one another. Mackey made the worst contact fracture in Green's skull. Of course, number 16 is Wayne Mackey. Yeah. Yeah. That Mackey Green, um, I've, I've seen pictures of it and stuff. I mean, that's, stick swinging and it's like yeah they're baseball swinging at each other and he connects on green and he's down and it's just the pictures look gross and it's just like like yeah i I, like that's why i always say i laugh with the movie young uh young gun yeah young blood when racky and young blood have the stick fight at the end and everybody's like oh yeah hollywood bullshit (laughs) oh no it wasn't that shit really happened there was stick fights back in the day and this was the worst this is one of the worst for sure 
Number 14, Sprague Cleghorn. Holy shit, there we go. One of the earliest cases of a player spiraling out of control in 1922 when player Sprague Cleghorn injured three Ottawa Senate players in a fight. Police offered to arrest Cleghorn after the incident. Wow, there you go. I mean, if you're wiping out three dudes in one fi- in, a, in a fight, old Sprague could throw down. Holy shit. Um, yeah, 1922. I don't think there's a lot of video out there, but uh, hey, if we're wiping out three guys, what? Yeah, Sprague. 13, Charles Mason. One of the worst cases of on-ice violence came in 1907 when Cornwall player Owen McCourt died from a head injury, suffered in a fight. Ottawa Victoria's Charles Mason was charged with manslaughter but found not guilty due to lack of evidence to convict him. No one could find the game tape, I guess. (laughs) Uh, I shouldn't laugh at guys dying. Uh, 1907... I mean, I'm sure he probably, you know, whatever punched him and he fell and hit his ice on, or hit his head on the ice is what I'm assuming. Um, uh, yeah, all right. I, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, it didn't say when Cornwall player died from a head injury, suffered in a fight. Well, did they both mutually drop the glove fight and the guy whack and down he went and hit his head? Or was it, didn't see it coming, the soccer punched? I mean, who knows? Uh, number 12, Brad May. May is one of a handful of players we suspended 20 games. Suspended 20 games with a slash Columbus. Steve Hines in the nose in 2000. Um, yeah, that was pretty brutal, actually. It, it was, uh, it was, it was really kind of almost like the McSorley Brashear thing. Um, May just didn't really swing as hard, but he did hit him in the, yeah, I don't know what May was doing. That was, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of swinging sticks and everything else, especially up around the head and, uh, I love I love me some Brad May. He's one of my favorite guys. But yeah, I don't know what he was thinking on that one. Number eleven, Will Paymont, seventy-eight Paymont with the Rockies, spent fifteen games just swinging a stick and hitting Polanich. Uh, Paymont had a history of violence in his career, throw and usually the normal kind. Yeah, um, that I know Polanich ended up suing. I think he got a million dollars or eight hundred thousand. And um, I mean, Polanich was no choir boy himself. He was dirty as shit too. <coughs> Yeah, again, I'm not saying that that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, warrants getting a stick in the face because it certainly doesn't. And I know it was particularly brutal. Like, I think a lot of bones were broke. Like, it wasn't just a love tap. Like, I think he broke bones in his face and, um, and I think his nose was really badly fucked up. So, yeah, it was a pretty brutal incident. Number 10, Gordy Dwyer. In 2000, Gordy Dwyer attempted to serve one of the steepest suspensions of 23 games he spent for abusive officials, leaving the penalty box to a fight opposing player in a preseason game. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, yeah, I mean, okay, shoved him, whatever. But, I mean, again, as I said before, he never put hands on a ref and everything. But, you know, he's hot. He wants to get at the guy. I mean, Jesus, I don't know if I'd put that in front of somebody that killed a guy. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, shit. He just left the penalty box, tried to continue a fight. He wasn't, he wasn't charging manslaughter. So I don't know about these rankings, but all right. Number nine, Alan Loney, perhaps the worst recorded incident of on ice violence came in 1905 when Loney was charged with on ice clubbing death of LCI Lauren, whatever. Okay. I don't know how to say that name, but, uh, Loney was found not guilty after pleading self defense. An on ice clubbing death. Well, there you go. I mean, all right. I mean, what much more can you say if you're going to beat a guy? Well, you're found not guilty pleading self-defense. So I don't know. Was the other guy swinging his? Well, there you go. Was it another 1905? It was guaranteed. It was probably a stick fight and this and Loney hit and the other guy missed and killed him. 
Number eight, Eddie Shore. Shore was known for his hard check. Remember, it was another violent on-ice incident. In 1933, Shore hit Ace Bailey with, in the head with a stick. He served 16-game suspension, unheard of at the time. Yeah, he almost killed Ace Bailey. Um, yeah, that ended Ace Bailey's career, uh, you know. And uh, uh, who was it? Red Horner, I believe, went after Shore. And, not, and I think knocked him out with his stick or with a punch, one of the two. So, like, Bailey was lying on one end and Shore was lying at the other. Um but yeah, I know Darth, Don Cherry has gone on and said Eddie Shore was like the Darth Vader of hockey, like the meanest person he's ever met. And um, yeah, there's a lot of stories of Shore being like brutal with his stick and everything else. Again, different time back when that early days, like reading these about 1905, he clubbed him to death. And 1907, he died with his head hit the eye. Hockey was like prison rules back then. And it was like, I, um, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't remember what episode number it is, but um, when I had Steve on the show, uh, Steve has really gone back uh, when Probert was king.com online, he goes by, but um, he he went back to the, the beginning of organized NHL hockey, even before it became the NHL, and like, he probably knows all about this 1905 Alan Loney thing, like, it's, I remember we talked about Sprague Leghorn and mean, mean Joe Hall and all those guys. It's a really cool episode if you go back and uh, look up my archives. It'll be like, I'll have it when Probert was king on the show will be in the description um, in the guest thing, Steve. And uh, he was great. And he talks about all these old incidents and like, because he was going back on newspapers.com and actually reading the newspaper from the next day about these things. And it's like some of the stuff is like, holy shit, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, there's been fighting since the day hockey began. This isn't like new stuff, right? Like, yeah, and it, and there was some real ugly shit. Number seven, Ty Domi. Well, there you go. Domi, remember, for one of hockey's toughest guys in two incidents in particular. One, when he fought the Flyers fan in the penalty box. I, I really wish he had actually got to hold that Flyers fan even more and beat the shit out of him. Another, the incident where he elbowed Scott Niedermeyer in the playoffs. Yeah, that 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 elbow by Domi was brutal on Niedermeyer. Um I have talked to Leafs from former players and they said Niedermeyer deserved that elbow and everything he got because he was super dirty and annoying and a mouthpiece. And, uh, yeah. So, again, Ty Domi elbowing Niedermeyer in the head in a playoff game just didn't fall out of this. I'm not saying he should have done it. I'm just saying it didn't just fall out of the sky and Domi decided to do it one day. Uh, clearly, it was spurned by something and um again i'm not saying it was right i'm just saying it wasn't just out of the blue stop and start and stop and start all right sorry we're back here um while well, they mentioned the niedermeyer thing of course they don't talk about him punching out off samuelson of course maybe that wasn't a thug moment that was like a uh thanks from the universe moment i don't think anybody at hl was upset that when domi dropped off samuelson that was again much deserved so I remember the, the best line ever when they asked Bernie Nichols what Ty Domi should get for punching off Samuelson. A raise. Yeah. Number six, Claude Lemieux. Claude Lemieux, another player with questionable reputation, most remembered for his vicious hit on Chris Draper. Another incident stirred up the rivalry between the Wings and the Avalanche. Yeah, I mean, Claude Lemieux is a piece of shit. I mean, great playoff performer and everything like that. But yeah, the hit on Draper was brutal. And um, he had some other bullshit too. And uh yeah, but again, it was like he's one of those. Uh, he's just one of those guys, right? He's just a just a pest. But I mean, come come clutch in playoff time. Lemieux was a playoff performer without a doubt. And, but uh, yeah, he's greasy, and I was never a Claude Lemieux guy. But uh, 
whatever. I mean, McCarty giving it to him and everything was beautiful, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it, it definitely heated up the rivalry without a doubt. Number five, Chris Simon. Oh, there you go. Suspended seven times in NHL career. Two of the suspension be the longest. One was 25 game flash to Hallwig. Second was 30 game when he stomped on the leg of Yarku Rutu. Yeah, I mean, both guys, Rutu had Hallwig, had reputation. They'd run around and whatever. But, uh, yeah, the slash to Hallwig's face was brutal. I know Hallwig hit him and yeah, you know, it was one of those Hallwig that I'm sure would run around, hit guys, probably wouldn't fight Simon. And Simon was just a hothead, right? The short fuse, and it was just like, yeah. There is, again, anytime you're swinging sticks at heads, I can't really condone that shit. It's one thing. If you're mad at the guy, ah, fight him. Grab him and fight him. Now, if he swings a stick at you, you swing it back. Okay, I get all that. But it's like, yeah, chopping guys in the face is, yeah. And then the stomp on a guy, it's the same thing. I know Rutu's a piece of shit, and Hallwig was, eh, you know, questionable and dirty and... You know, I get all that, but nonetheless, you know, wearing skates and stomping on guys and, yeah, what are you doing? You know, I mean, I like Chris, I was a fan of Chris Simon. I like Simon. He's a bad motherfucker. I mean, it's too bad about the shoulder injuries that really hampered his fighting. But, I mean, when he was young and healthy and primed up there in Colorado in those first couple of years in Washington, whoof, bad dude, man. So I'm down with Simon. But, yeah, there was some, there was some shit he didn't need to do. Uh, number four, Billy Kotu. All right. While well, Simon was complete, was commonly regarded as holding the record for the longest suspension, the honor of the longest hockey suspension ever belongs to Billy Kotu. In 27, 1927, Kotu was given a lifetime ban after assaulting multiple linesmen and starting a bench-clearing brawl in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, there you go. Sentence uh, would be commuted after two and a half years, but he never returned to the league again. Well, there you go. I mean, in 1927, he's assaulting multiple linesmen, not just one, but multiple um, I think he punched one of them and then tackled another one in the hallway or something, I believe I read. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, you can't be, I don't recall, I don't matter what year or decade it is, I don't think, you can't be grabbing refs and everything like that, but, uh, yeah, all right, uh, assaulting multiple refs. Well, there you go, that would do it. Number three, Matt Cook, Dep- uh, depending on how the rest of his career goes down, very likely that Matt Cook will go down as the dirtiest player in NHL history. Well, if he's the dirtiest, he'd be number one. Why is he number three? Everyone is aware of the dirty hits that Cook has unleashed, including many of the seriously injured players. He claims he is a changed person, but that remains to be seen and certainly does not excuse his dangerous plays in the past. Yeah, I mean, Matt Cook's a you know piece of shit and everything else. Again, like, dirty and runs guys. And, um, yeah, I mean, if there's... Um, well, actually, again, if you go to my YouTube, I have Matt Cook, and it's in a prospects game he hits Avery from like his brutal hit um Avery still talks about it he's got a scar on his face because of it yeah um yeah Cook was dirty and uh and everything else and the Savard thing and everything um yeah I mean one of the best things that Evander Kane ever did was dropping Cook uh not that I'm a Kane fan but that I was a fan for Evander Kane's that night um, yeah, Cook just, he threw all those, just a lot of dirty shots hit from the behind. I was, just, it always seemed like he was blindsiding some, and I'm all for physical, obviously physical hockey, everything else. Um, but you know, when you're head hunting guys and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I could talk about Scott Stevens. I don't think Stevens wasn't hitting guys from behind though and shit. I mean. You know, there's something about Cook. It was from behind, or he'd throw an elbow at a guy's face, and just it's just little 
it's always something with that guy. It was always something. He was just dirty. He's a prick. Yeah. That was number three. Number two, Todd Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi was all the most infamous incidents of violence in sports after he sucker punched. Uh, soccer punch Colorado Steve Moore in the retaliation for Moore refusing to fight him. Well, yeah, again, as I've always said with that, it, I have trouble calling it a sucker punch when you tell the guy you're going to do it. It's sort of taxing the definition of the word sucker punch, is it not? Um, I have my whole feelings on that. I've talked about this when the incident on another episode. I've, well, I've talked about it on this a bunch of times. Um, it's, you know, it's shitty what happened to Moore and everything else. I'm not, whatever. People forget Moore started that whole thing by throwing a flying elbow and putting out Matt's Naslin or Marcus Naslin uh, with a concussion. So that's what started it all. Again, this ass kicking did, just didn't fall out of the sky. Um, I, and everybody points to while Moore fought, uh, who'd he fight at the start of the game? Somebody uh, escaping me. Rutu, wasn't it? Or was it, was it Cook that he fought? Ah, whoever. Uh, Moore fought to start the game, and it was always all right. So it, it should be done after that. Well, according to who, who is it done after? Problem, it might have been done, except the problem is, is you ran the score up. So that's why that probably pissed the Canucks off even more. Um, Bertuzzi gave Moore multiple opportunities to drop the gloves and have a, a, like a fight. If he had just dropped the gloves and fought Bertuzzi, I always laugh that people talk like Bertuzzi was some great fight. Bertuzzi couldn't fight. He was a big guy, but Bertuzzi wasn't a fighter. He fought now and again, but he was shitty at it. I mean, Moore actually probably... I guarantee if Moore and Bertuzzi had fought, it would have been a decent fight. Um, but yeah, but he wouldn't fight him, wouldn't fight him. And it's like, yeah, oh, so I'm going to run their best... Pl- like, And Naslin and Bertuzzi were legitimately really good friends. So you put out my good friend with a concussion. Then your team runs up the score. Then when we're out here, you won't fight me. And instead, you like I, I always say with Moore, were you looking to draw a call in a nine-one game? Like, what were you doing? You knew it was coming. He was around hockey long enough to know what Bertuzzi wanted and was going to do. And I could see with Bertuzzi, you're that mad, and you just snap. I get it. It was an unfortunate result, but like, am I putting Bertuzzi as like the number two biggest hockey thug ever? When you got a list of guys like killing each other with high sticks and shit, you're going to put Bertuzzi at number two, like. You know, and again, sucker punch. Ah, it's not a sucker punch when you go up and down the ice telling the guy you're going to do it. So, you know, whatever. I guess put me in the minority, but, you know, I'm not completely shitting all over. Like, should he have done it? Well, no. He should have turned Moore around and punched him is what he should have done. Like, at any point, Moore's not getting off the ice that shift without fighting at some point. That in a nine-one game with all the shit that's gone down, yeah, you're like, don't be the ba- the naive babe in the woods routine. Like, oh, I didn't know. I already had a fight and I thought it was over. Like, no, you didn't. You knew it was coming. Put your boxing gloves on, suck it up, princess, and you're fighting three times that night and get it over with. If you had just fought him, it would have been done with. Instead, you had to. I don't know what you were doing, and you're just egging it on, basically, and you know, trying to run away from it. It's like no, so. Yeah, I'm, I, whatever. That whole thing was, I'm assuming number one. Yeah, Marty McSorley. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is there to, what is there to say? I mean, uh, now McSorley, he cross checked Darren Banks in the face. Like, he had a history of like, but he was enforcing, like, 
well, not the Banks thing, but it's like, yeah, like there's, oh, he hit Sight, Phil Sight, whatever, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, McSorley was mean, man. And he did whatever it took to enforce and do what needed to be done. So, I mean, he, Marty was an old school enforcer, and that's just how shit was back then. Um, again, though, the thing with Brashear was brutal. And, I mean, no one's ever going to know. Like, McSorley is always like, oh, I was trying to slash him in the upper shoulder, like, to get his attention so he'd fight me again. Yeah, I mean, if that's how, if that's what he says he was trying to do, then that's what he was trying to do. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it was a brutal shot. And, uh, and, and I've always said with McSorley, it's unfortunate because it, Marty had a great career. And like I always say, he played 900 and some games before that incident, but that's what he'll always be remembered for. And not the two cups, not Wayne Gretzky's bodyguard and, you know, turning himself like he went basically from like a, a fourth line enforcer, you know, three shift guy to like playing a regular shift on D led the NHL in plus minus one year. Um, he turned himself into a real solid defender and he had a great career. And, but unfortunately he's going to remember for the Brashear thing and it's too bad. I can't sit here and defend it. Yeah, it was brutal. And he, you know, he shouldn't have done it. And it was, you know, um, yeah, it sucked. And I was a huge Marty fan. And, and as much as I don't like Brashear, I'm not a Brashear fan. No one deserves to get clubbed in the side of the head. Well, Alf Samuelson does. But other than Alf Samuelson, no one, or maybe Matt Cook too. But nobody deserves to get a stick in the side of the head. Um, and I've seen people online try to defend it. Oh, Brashear should have just fought him again. And he owed Marty the fight. Well, he'd already beat Marty up like five times that season. He, what, what more does he need to do? Well, he was taunting him and stuff. Well, and he was. You know, and that and that's another thing why people hate Brashear. He was a taunting guy after the fights. He'd do the hand dusting, and apparently this game he beat Marty up pretty solid. And then like told him all about it the rest of the game. Brashear was doing the thing, was being a bully and performing the role too. I mean, that's the way it was. I beat you, and I'm going to let you know about it. And I'm not fighting you anymore because I'm tired of beating you up. That you know, basically is what he's telling them. And Marty was, you know, near the end of the road, and you know, and Brashear was the new young gun, and it was. You know, Marty wasn't going to beat him. Brashear was just too strong, too tough, too young. Marty's day, it's like the lion and the pride, right? It's His days are over. Um, and Marty was mad, and that's how he got his revenge. I mean, you can paint it any way you want, but that, them, them's the facts. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was brutal. Now, is Marty the biggest thug in hockey history? Well, like I said, when you got guys getting charged with the manslaughter and assault and murder and everything, and... And you got Bertuzzi and, and Marty in front of him. Well, you know, I don't know about that. But, uh, yeah, an interesting list. Uh, Yuka, pardon me, thank you for sending it. Um, yeah, I don't, that that was pretty pretty interesting list. I, I kind of all over the definition of thug. I mean, it, um, you know, I I guess it was, it, it should have been like maybe the 50 like most violent incidents. Maybe that's how she should have worded the article, something like that. But because, yeah, I don't know, David Shaw and shit on the list. It's like, I, I guess, you know, and Avery and stuff. I mean, they're annoying, but I don't know if they're really thugs per se, but all right. But uh, anyway, folks, there you go. There are your top 50 thugs in NHL slash hockey history. Um, yeah, folks, there you go. Uh, yeah, sir, kind of a scattered um, uh, episode tonight. I'm not going to lie. Um, to be completely honest, like I said at the start, my mind has kind of been elsewhere. Uh, I've got some work stuff going on. Um, 
applying for jobs, not getting jobs. For those that asked, no, I did not get the supervisor job. Um, there were some situations, um, you know, that uh, it, it's not that big of a deal. It was a temporary position. It's not like, oh, I'm shut out. I'm never going to get one. I'm never advancing. Like, no, no, no. It's it was a, it's just a year temporary position. So plenty of more opportunity uh, down the line. Um, in fact, I'm actually fairly thankful I didn't get that one, to be completely honest. Um, so we'll see going forward here. Uh, the winter is coming around the corner. So, um, you know, another another winter out throwing garbage around. Um, so, but you know, between that and just some, just some personal stuff going, nah, I mean, nothing serious, but just just life things in the way and just stuff that, you know, fall cleanup around here at the house. And, uh, you know, like I said, we had Thanksgiving, so we were out at the in-laws and, uh, you know, I have some friends to visit here, a friend in town and friends to visit. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the podcast got kind of put on the back burner here for the last little bit. So, um, but, uh, as I said, hopefully work will slow down here as the, uh, I don't want to say the, the dreaded S word, this, I don't want to say snow, um, is around the corner. Um, once that starts flying, things will obviously slow down for me work wise, which will be nice. Um, cause it was a long, long last, uh, it's been a long summer. So, uh, I know that my Vegas vacation was great and it was, it was nice to recharge and everything, but you know, five days, it probably really wasn't enough. I mean, after working literally months straight every day, literally every day, um, I'm, I'm fairly right now, I think I'm fairly burned out and, uh, I'm, I'm sort of in a, I'm sort of in limbo at work. It's like, uh, with my job, it's like, do I take these, do I change departments, try something different? Um, you know, at the same time, it's, it's kind of a risky move financially, um, you know, there, it'd be a bit of a pay cut and everything. So I, I mean, I have a lot of things to weigh. I'm doing a lot of pros and cons and, and that type of thing. So we'll see what happens. So, I mean, I have that, I have real life things going on in my life. So, uh, I apologize if the, uh, if my, my episodes here for the next little while seem scattered and, uh, and not on point. Although, as I'm saying that, I'm like, I'm acting like normally I'm just right there, laser focused and, that's probably not the case either. It's probably somewhere in the middle. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to uh, throw that out there. You know, we're friends here. We're all talking. So I just wanted to share that what's going on, guys. And uh, But uh, as always, like I always say, um, I know there are hundreds and hundreds of podcasts to listen to. The fact that you take time out of your day to listen to mine. I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate the feedback. I'm online, Fourth Line Voice, on Twitter as well as on Facebook and Instagram. I got to get... That Instagram's weird, man. I don't know if I can get really into Instagram. I know that's what the that's the big one now, but it's like I'm I don't know. I'm not fourth line voice THPN is my Instagram handle. Um yeah, I gotta I gotta sit down with somebody that's I yeah, I'll sit down with one of the nephews. They're probably Instagram guys and get them to kind of give me a crash course on how to how to make my Instagram better. I mean, I put up a couple pictures and some hashtags. It's like, is this what I do? Like, I don't know. I, I have to get used to it, but, uh, follow me on social media. Uh, drop me a line. I love to hear from you guys, you know, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, if you have any show ideas, you want to come on the show. Like I always say, please let me know if you're not on social media, congratulations. You're smarter than the rest of us. Um, hockey fights at hotmail.com. Send me an email. I'd love to hear from you guys. And if you just want to bullshit or send a, hey, you got to see this fight picture I found or whatever. I'd love to see it. Love to hear about it. 
And uh, absolutely, I always like to hear from fellow fight fans. That's what this show is all about. This is for you guys. So, uh, yeah, there we go. And I know, I know, I need to get the Probert tournament going here. That is what I'm going to do this weekend. I'm going to write up the uh, bracket. I'm going to get it over to John and that. And we are going to dissect it, do an episode about the, uh, the bracket preview. And uh, we will get the, hopefully next Saturday, we will get to voting. So, hopefully. Yes, I need to get that going. But uh, anyway, guys, I got to get out of here. Go shower. It is 1030 here, so I got to get hit the sheets. But uh, thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, I'll talk to you guys this weekend. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?